Hello, and welcome to Ballistic Performance Radio. This is your one-stop shop for all things nutrition, fitness, and mindset. Our goal is to help you make fitness and nutrition a part of your life, not your whole life. We discuss a variety of topics, including faith, self-awareness, sustainability and consistency, training programs, grocery store navigation, and how to enjoy your favorite foods without guilt or remorse. There is a lot of noise out there in the world of health and fitness, so we're here to provide real, reliable, and practical answers and recommendations that will keep you moving forward on your journey. My wife Ashley and I are your hosts, and please do not hesitate to reach out on social media to say hello, ask questions, or comment on this week's episode. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast. Right, welcome back. This is episode 130, and today I have a special guest on the show. Today I am speaking with Jordan Syed. Now, Jordan is the founder of Syed Fitness, and he brings nearly 17 years of experience to the conversation today. His mission is to give you the knowledge and confidence to incorporate the best training and nutrition into your lifestyle. In other words, he helps you live longer, eat healthier, and train smarter. Over the last 17 years, Jordan has amassed a wealth of knowledge and experience, including internships at Westside Barbell, Chrissy Performance, working as Gary Vaynerchuk's full-time personal trainer for three years, and helping thousands of people across the globe achieve their health and fitness goals. Now, typically on these podcasts, on these conversations, we allow the guests to introduce themselves, but we had some technical difficulties in the first 15 seconds of the podcast, so... I am providing an introduction, and we're going to pick up at the next point in the conversation that makes sense. So hopefully, that provides some context and background as to who Jordan is, why we're so fucking pumped to have him on the show, and we hope that you enjoy the conversation. Before we get into the conversation, I did just want to congratulate you on you and your wife and your pregnancy. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah. Are you guys going to find out the gender, or have you already found out and you're not revealing it yet? We do know we're, we're keeping it a secret for now, but yeah, we found out, like, I didn't want to wait. There's I want to know immediately. Yeah, that's, that's, (laughs) that's exactly how my wife and I were. And we're actually expecting in August as well. So it was kind of very, very similar time. Thank you. Appreciate that. How many, you have one now and you have another one on the way? No, zero now, one on the way. Oh, okay. Nice. Amazing. And and do you, so you know what you're having, but you're keeping it secret? So we actually found out we were the same way you were. We wanted to find out as soon as possible. And then we did not keep it a secret. So it's a boy. So we're very excited for that. Yes. Are you stoked? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, you know, everyone says just want the baby to be healthy. And that's 100% true. But I'm very excited to be having a boy. And uh, I know my wife is as well. So we're looking forward to it. Congrats, man. That's amazing. Thank you. I appreciate it. Are you stoked to be a dad? Oh, yeah, I can't wait. I've known I've wanted to be a dad my whole life. So I'm really excited. (laughs) That's awesome. So I'm really happy for you guys. Uh, Well, getting back on track, I just wanted to start out quickly uh, by outlining sort of how you became the person you are today. And we can skip through some of this relatively quick to get into the more deeper parts of the conversation. But going all the way back, correct me if I'm wrong, you have a bachelor's degree in health and behavioral science or health and behavior science with a focus in strength and conditioning, correct? Correct. Yep. And so when you started school, did you start school with the intent on becoming a personal trainer or strength and conditioning coach, however you label yourself? Or was it just something you kind of thought you were interested in and wanted to see what it was all about? I knew 100% that I wanted to be a strength coach. I, I, I mean, before college, I had already been coaching people for four or five years. So I, I started wrestling when I was eight years old and I just fell in love with it. I, you know, again, I'm super short Jewish family. Like we're not like, uh, imposing figures. And my mom wanted my brother and I, who's also short, uh, to be able to defend ourselves. So she was like, I'm putting you guys in wrestling. And I remember I was in the living room on the couch and, and, uh, the only wrestling that I knew at that point in my life was WWE. Like, so I, I remember just looking at her being like, you want me to hit someone with a chair? And she was like, no, you idiot. Like it's, it's Olympic style wrestling. And I didn't know what that was, but she put us into it and I fell in love with it. And I was fortunate to be good at it. So I did that. And I started when I was eight, by the time I got to high school, I made varsity as a freshman, I beat a junior out for the varsity spot, but 
I was good from a technique and endurance perspective, but not from a strength perspective. So I, I applied to a gym a couple of towns over from me. I was like, I'll take the trash out. I'll clean the floors. Like, let me just come and learn from you and work for you. And I was very fortunate because they let me do that. And they were also incredibly science-based. So I worked at this gym from when I was 14 years old. And ever since then, I knew I wanted to be a coach. So that's actually when I went to college, I originally started with exercise science, but I very quickly realized, number one, that the professors were idiots. Like they had never coached anybody. Um, they were just repeating what they had been taught from a textbook in school and they had never actually coached anybody. And a lot of the stuff they were teaching was massively outdated. And the other thing I realized since I had been coaching people since I was 14, I realized that you could have the best program in the world, the best nutrition plan, the best workouts, you could have the best of the best of the best, but if they're not following the program, it doesn't matter. So I was in exercise science for about a month and a half, two months. And I was like, this is a waste of my time. And I was like, I, that's why I switched to behavioral health science because I wanted to understand the psychology of why people are making the decisions that they're making and understand the behavior aspect of it. So that's why I made that switch. And it was actually a really good choice. Yeah, I absolutely love that insight because I think a lot of people end up in a very similar situation. I know that's exactly how I felt about exercise science back when I was in undergraduate. It was no one that was teaching those concepts, which I understand they're academic, that you need to have that basic information and even the more in-depth information. But those individuals, as you said, had never coached anybody. They didn't understand how to take those textbook concepts and apply them to real life. So I love that you're able to recognize that so early on and make that shift. And, you know, now, obviously, with all of the experience that you've accumulated, you know that the psychology is nearly as important, if not more important than all of those other concepts that work within fitness and nutrition. Yeah, I would honestly say that the psychology is more important just because if you want a high level training program, like for a higher level individual, then the actual program becomes very important. And obviously a good program is important, but I mean, realistically, if we're being honest, people who are consistent with a really shitty program get really good results, right? Assuming they don't get injured because the program is poorly designed, right? Assuming they don't get injured, people get really good results with really awful programs. It's just because they're consistent. So if we're looking at order of importance, psychology is by far number one, just because that's what lets you be consistent. Yeah, absolutely. I could not agree more. And I know we've found very, through our experience, very similar things uh, working with our clients and just in-person settings as well. Um, so yeah, I absolutely love that insight. Now, you had mentioned you started working at that gym very early on. At what point did you realize, hey, I need to either branch out or just consider additional opportunities and start looking for internships? I know you were at one point with Cressy Performance as well as Westside Bar, but how did those opportunities come about? Those are crazy stories. Um, so Westside Barbell, for anyone who doesn't know, it's the strongest gym in the world. And rest in peace to Louis Simmons. He just passed a couple of weeks ago. Um, basically, like when I when people hear about a gym, they often think, oh, there's a membership. And like you go in and they like clean off the plates for you. Like that's not Westside. The only way you get into Westside is if you're invited there. Um, no one knows where it is. The address isn't publicly available. It's like in an industrial park in Columbus, Ohio. And um basically I was watching a lot of videos from Louis online and I was obsessed with him just like everyone is when they start watching Louis Simmons. And I was like, listen, I need to learn from this guy. I want to be a great power lifter. So I emailed him and I was like, Louis, um, I'll take the trash out. I'll, I, same, same thing. I'll take the trash out. I'll clean the floors. I'll walk your dogs. Just let me come and learn from you so I can learn how to be a better lifter and coach. And I didn't expect to hear back, but I got an email the next day from Louis Simmons. And it was just one line. It said, our weakest guy squats 800 pounds. What do you have to offer? And I didn't know how to reply to that. I was in my college dorm room, 21 years old. And I was like, all right, I can either be like really polite or just go all in. And, I, and my like cocky 21 year old self decided to go all in and verbatim. I replied, I said, I don't give a fuck what you or any one of your lifters do. I'll outwork every single one of you. And, um, and I was like, man, I don't know how that's going to go. But then a couple of days later, I got a phone call when I was at the dining hall in school and I ignored it because it was an unknown number. And then I, I found I had a voicemail. So I listened to the voicemail. I still have the voicemail on my phone to this day. It's, it started off with Jordan. It's Louis Simmons from Westside Barbell. I want to talk to you about coming down to train here. And uh, I got on the phone with him the next day. And basically, I went out uh, over my spring break and he put me through two days of the hardest training I've ever been through. He basically, I, I went in and on day one, it was max effort lower. And I was like, what am I going to do? And first and foremost, he walks up to me 
shirtless, tattooed head to toe, nose bleeding after just doing like a max effort squat. I was like, what am I starting with? He was like, you're going to do pin pulls from rack three or from pin pulls from pin three. I was like, all right, how much weight, how many sets and reps? And he goes, go as heavy as possible until it hurts too much. I was like, all right. And then he, he, after that, I was like, all right, what next, what next? He's like, all right, close stance, SS bar, low box, low box squats, which is like the hardest squat variation ever. And I was like, all right, how much weight, how many sets and reps? And he was like, as heavy as possible until it hurts too much. I was like, all right, what's next? Glute ham raises as heavy as possible until it hurts too much for two days straight, max effort, lower max effort, upper. And, uh, at the end of those days, he, he came up to me and I was just like, so wrecked. He was like, all right, I'll see you over the summer. And, uh, so I got an apartment there and I trained there for a little over three months. My total increased by 300 pounds over that summer, just unbelievable. Um, and then that following winter, I got an internship at Cressy performance. So it's actually, it was very, it was very fortuitous. I grew up in a town called Sudbury, Massachusetts and Eric Cressy's gym is a town like two towns over from Sudbury. And so I was on the wrestling team and a lot of my buddies were on the baseball team. And so a lot of my buddies started going to train at this place called Cressy performance. And they were like, and everyone knew I was super into strength and conditioning. And all my buddies were like, man, you got to come check it out. You got to come check it out. So I started reading Eric's material online and I became obsessed and I was like, man, this guy's amazing. And so I started reaching out to him, just making, making him know who I was just like on social media. And then I had like a, a seven weeks uh, winter break from school. So I just emailed Eric. I was like, Hey, can I come intern for you? I'll work for you, whatever for free. And he was like, yeah, come on. And so I just, I did that for almost two months. Yeah. That's incredible. Both of those stories. And I think the biggest takeaway from an outsider's perspective is that if you want to be surrounded by the best, you need to just have that courage and that audacity to reach out and try to contact those individuals because that's mm -hmm. how a lot of the best opportunities come. And it's not reaching out to ask for a paid position. Like you had mentioned, it's taking out the trash, working for free, just coming in to observe. And that's exactly what I did back in the day when I needed an internship and I wanted to get heavily involved with CrossFit. I just reached out to the, one of the best CrossFit gyms in the world and said, can I come there and work? And they yeah. fortunately offered me a paid position, but it's just one of those things where that opportunity and your opportunities would have never arose if you just weren't seeking to be around people who were better than you. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, it's interesting. I don't know what it is, but when I was younger, maybe it was just my upbringing, my mom, or I don't know if it's generational or not, but my mom was like, she was very big on me working for free. Like she was like, just, just ask if you can be in the environment, just connect with those people. Like, doesn't matter if you get paid or not. Um, and I just see so many people now being like, oh, you should be getting paid what you deserve. It's like, you deserve nothing. <laughs> like you deserve nothing, especially if you're going there so you can improve yourself. Like you're not bringing them any value aside your ability to be able to like clean the floors and take the trash out. Like you deserve nothing. If you're going there to get something from them, to get knowledge and help and education from them, you deserve nothing. Like you don't deserve to be paid yet. And if you get paid awesome, they're, they're just generous, mm -hmm. but like, don't go in there or don't not go just because you're not getting paid, like figure yeah, it out. Yeah. When I was training at Westside, I got another job. Like I got another uh, a coaching job. I started doing online coaching. Like, like I lived with my mom for a long time. So I could pay out. So I didn't have to pay rent. Like, it, <laughs> you know, it's, you don't deserve to be paid, especially like when you're looking for help from the other people. Yeah, absolutely. And I think especially now with the way social media has extended the reach and just made it more people more aware of, Hey, what are, what are they offering? What's the price point? Just having that knowledge, everyone thinks, as you had mentioned that I need to be getting paid for all of my time. But before all of that was public knowledge, if you wanted to get with the best, you had to be willing to work for fee. Cause like you said, you didn't earn your stripes yet. You have no, nothing to bring to the table cause they have been doing this for 20, 30 years and you're just trying to be a sponge and soak it all up. So I absolutely love that mentality. In regards to your personal experience in both of those settings, what was, were some of the biggest takeaways from either one or the other or both? Uh, because I'm sure there were a ton. Yeah, there was a, a, a massive amount. Um, one thing that was very interesting to me was I actually wrote an entire art. I think it was 2012 or a whole article about like the things that I, that surprised me about Cressy performance and West side and the similarities and differences. Um, but I think one of the coolest things that I learned, cause I was 21 at the time, I was still super young and just getting really in the industry and, and, and building myself as a power lifter and all that. But West side is a power. It really was a powerlifting gym. 
Um, I think that is going to die with Louie. It's going to change now, uh, just like with the, the way they're going to run things. But Westside, when Louie was alive, Westside was a powerlifting gym. And Cressy came from a powerlifting background, but he's a baseball coach. Like he's a baseball performance specialist. What was really cool for me to see was how similar their training was despite having two entirely different goals and and like in many respects, massively competing goals. It was really cool to see how they both utilized all of the same training principles, max effort, dynamic effort, repetition effort. Like they had the exact same methods. Their application was slightly different, but so much was saying there was more similar than there was different, which really goes to show you that a good training program is a good training program. Like a lot of this people like, I spent years and years, and I'm sure you have as well, studying, reading all the books, reading super training, reading like all, all the most important books you could read and like looking at, at Bompa and periodization and program design, all these amazing books and texts and all that to get the best of the best of the best. And the reality is good programs are good programs. And it was just really interesting to see that like with two completely different goals, two completely different coaches, they still look very similar. So it, it was cool to see that. Yeah, I'm sure that was very eye-opening. I actually read that article that you mentioned way back in 2012. Oh, I didn't read it back then, but I read it in preparation for this conversation. And oh, that was immediately what I saw was that, for, I think that was one of the opening lines. And I thought, I mean, like you just mentioned, it makes sense. Good programs utilize similar concepts. That's why the same things have been around for hundreds and hundreds of years because they fucking yeah. work. Man, that's crazy. That was like 10 years ago I wrote that article. That's nuts. I know. I had to scroll pretty far back. <laughs> it, it, it took a little while. Uh, and it was it was really interesting, actually, as I was reading all that and preparing for this. It was cool to see the progression like of your content, the way yeah. you wrote, the way you spoke. And so that, I think it was really neat to see that and how much confidence you built over those years. So I definitely commend you for that and just starting thank with you, content so early. Yeah, thank you. Of course. Uh, so speaking of content, at some point throughout this journey, you accumulated this, these experiences and then you started your website. What was the initial intent? Because back then this was like pre Instagram, pre like you, I think YouTube was around, but it wasn't like what it no. is today. Yeah. So what was the intent behind creating that platform? So, you know, Louis Simmons, Eric Cressy, Tony Gentilcore, Mike Robertson, Joel Jamieson, Dan John, Pavel Tsatsouline, all these like huge name strength coaches that I looked up to, they all had websites. And often they were doing instructional videos on YouTube. And that's how I spent my time learning. Um, so I, in 2000, I started my website in July of 2011. I did not know that an online business was possible. I didn't know online coaching was going to be a thing at some point. I didn't, I didn't expect to make money for my website. I just wanted people to learn from me in the same way that I had learned from other people. So I looked at what Eric Cressy was doing and I looked at what Louie was doing. I looked at what all these guys were doing and I was like, I'll just copy them. Like if they have a website, cool, I'll make a website. Like they're making YouTube videos. I'll start making YouTube videos. And the goal eventually at that time was build up an audience and then hopefully be able to open up a gym one day and then coach people at the gym and maybe do some speaking events like throughout the year. Like people have me come out and I'll teach them or I'll have events at my gym. That's what I thought I was going to do. And then slowly people started to find my website and reach out and ask me to do coaching. And I coached them for free. Cause again, I didn't know an online business was possible. And then I'll never forget. I was sitting in my college dorm room after about a year and a half of, of uh, coaching people for free and, and all that. And this woman from Brazil emails me and she's like, how much do you charge for online coaching? And just the way she phrased it, I was like, I don't know, uh, 300 bucks. And she was like, okay, how do I pay you? And I was like, holy shit. Like that's crazy. I, I'm like a 22 year old kid. Like I've, all I've been doing is writing articles and coaching people for free. So I, I didn't know. So I Google searched like how to make payments online and I found paypal.com. And so I made an account and I sent her the link and I was like, there's no way this woman's going to pay me $300. A stranger is going to send me $300 over the internet to write her a workout program. And she did. And I freaked out. And then ever since then, like, I was like, I could actually make this a business. So then I started charging people and doing these programs. And by the time I graduated college, I had a, a business online that I could sort of just do on my own. So that changed my idea of what was possible. Yeah, absolutely. And I love when you describe that story, I'm sure people are listening, thinking like, why is that such a foreign concept? Why the hell would you be so surprised that someone would want to pay you online? But you have to think, of the context of the story was 2000, you said 2012, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
no one even knew what PayPal was really. It was Correct. still yeah. so new that I'm sure you probably even thought like, is this even legit? Like what the yeah. fuck is PayPal? I had no idea. I like, wasn't sure if it was going to like, should I put my bank details into this thing? Like I was freaking out. Like I didn't know if it was going to work. Um, giving them my bank account information. I was like, this, I, this just seems stupid to me to put that online, all that stuff. And like Instagram didn't exist. Like online coaching wasn't a thing yet. So it was, yeah, it was now everyone in there, everyone can be a fucking like entrepreneur online and start their business and make six figures in 30 minutes and da, 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 da. Like everyone can do that now. But back then that was not the case at all. Yeah, absolutely. Breaking down barriers back then. Uh, now, you mentioned that wasn't the intent was not to make money and run this online business. You've been pretty open over the years and, and you've traveled quite a bit and expressing how much you like to travel and experience these different like cultures and environments. When did that start to, those two things start to click in your head and connect of, okay, now that I just got this woman to pay me $300, is this my opportunity to have freedom and not be locked into a, the four walls of a gym and go see these places that I've always wanted to travel to? Yeah. So it's a good question. I, um, I didn't put those two together immediately, but as I started to make more money, basically I remember what happened was, um, I was doing this for a couple of years before I graduated and I started to, I was doing tours in, in Israel, uh, in the summers after between, between college. And I would do these tours where I would go to first, I would go to, uh, to Prague and I would do these tours for with like 16 year old kids. So it was like me and like five other Israeli chaperones and we would go to Prague. We'd take the kids through Prague. Then we'd go to Poland, go to Auschwitz, go to uh, the Warsaw ghetto. And then from there we would go to Israel and that'd be a six week thing. And I was still writing articles online as I was doing that. So I brought my laptop and I, I mean, doing these tours, like we would be in the desert for like five days. So I'd have my like laptop in the desert with me and like all this stuff, but I would still write my article a week. And, uh, and I was still communicating with people whenever I got Wi-Fi and all this stuff, whenever I got breaks from my job, like I would go to the coffee shop and whatever. So I, I was still working. I wasn't really making much money from that though, but like still I had a couple clients and I was still able to work even when I was wherever I was, as long as I had Wi-Fi. And I remember thinking, oh man, this would be really cool. Like to actually be able to make this my job rather than like doing other things as well. And so right before I graduated, I told my mom I was going to go on a, a trip, like a cross country trip, just to see like if I could, if I could do everything on my business. And she didn't know what was going on in my business that at that time. She and I'll never forget this. She was like, uh, she was like, well, you need to get a job. And actually, I think I wrote an article about this on my website. Uh, and I, and I was like, well, I don't think I need to. And my mom, this like, you know, Jewish lawyer, super hard worker. She was like, what the fuck do you mean you don't need a job? Like thinking that I was being pretentious, like no, I'll just live off of whatever. And I was like, no, I think I'm, I'm good. I'm making money online. She's like, what do you mean you're making money online? And I was like, well, I'm coaching people online. And she like, people still don't know what that means at this point. Never mind back in 2000, 2013, 2014 at that point. And, um, and I was like, yeah, I'm writing people's programs and they're paying me and, and, da, da, da. and she's like, well, how much are you making? And I told her, and it wasn't astounding, but I remember her being like, are you paying taxes? And I was like, I have no, I was like, no, I'm not. I have no idea what that even means. Like that would have been a way better course in college than the shit that I was taught. Like they should have taught me about that. And she, so she freaked out and cause I was making enough that it was like, I would be on their radar that like, if I wasn't paying taxes. Um, and so I eventually, I was like, you know, I'm going to do a cross country trip before I actually like go work in a gym or something. So I, I did a whole train trip. I, I wasn't making enough to fund this just by flights all around the country so i got plane uh, uh train tickets on the amtrak and i went from boston to chicago i met up with friends in chicago from chicago i went to uh uh where did i go from chicago i went to austin texas from austin texas i went to arizona arizona i went to california california i went to denver and denver back to boston all in the train for like a month i was just using the train as like my mode of transportation and i'd meet people in these different cities and just hang out for a few days or a week or whatever and i did that whole thing while writing articles and while coaching people online and like that was my test to see like is this work is this going to work is this viable and i remember i went the whole month and i got more clients over that month I was like, this is great. Like I can do this. So that's like when I really thought, okay, I could travel while still working from my computer. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that story. And I think it's hilarious. Your mom's reaction, because as you kind of hinted at people still get confused by that shit. And yeah. I know when we left our full-time jobs, 
to do this online, my parents, and this is like two years ago, they're like, what the, like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, yeah, you can't only do that. I'm like, no, you can. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My mom still, I mean, she's, she gets, she doesn't get it. She respects it more now, but you know, her family's doctors and lawyers and professors and superintendents. And like, that's just, that's what her whole family is. So I've always been like, Oh, he's the personal trainer. (laughs) Like they're not happy about it. So even, even now my mom will regularly probably like once every four to six weeks be like, you know, you could always go back to school and like be a doctor. Like always, she constantly says that, like, even though she gets like in respects that it's doing well, she's like, yeah, you could always go back to school, be a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, And I think, it just comes from that generation, right? Because this wasn't an opportunity. So everybody kind of has that thought process. My dad is the exact same way and he's gotten better over the years, but that fucking dude would call me every, about like every two or three months and he would say, hey, you know, the state police is still hiring because he was a state trooper. (laughs) He's like, you can always apply to the academy. And I'm like, no, that's not what I want to do. But he was persistent (laughs) as fuck. That's funny. Yeah, I mean, it's good to know that you can always go back to a quote unquote regular job if you want to. Like worst comes to worst, you can always do something like that. But something like this just gives you so much more freedom and so much ability to help people all over the world. Yeah, exactly. You can extend your reach, reach more people, change more lives. Uh, now, transitioning from that, you had mentioned you were doing these tours in Israel mm. and that sort of the cross country trip in the US was your test. Well, once you graduated, you've shared this multiple times, you went and lived in Israel. Mm -hmm. How did that come about? Was it just from the tours and you thought, okay, I want to go live there full time and experience this? No. So what happened was when I was a junior in high school, uh, my synagogue had like a youth trip, like a, just for like a for the 16 and 17 year old kids, like the juniors and seniors, we went to Israel for 10 days and I fell in love with it. Like I just absolutely fell in love with it. And I was a terrible student. I was really bad in school. I hated school. I was in special education. And I was like, I don't want to go to college, especially not right now. And so my like, I didn't have much money growing up. My family always struggled with money. And so my rabbi could tell how much I loved Israel. And so he got got a a fund. I'm trying to remember that. He, He got all of this. He got people to raise up money for an anonymous student to go to Israel for a year at my synagogue. And I was that anonymous student. And so like my, he raised all this money for me to go to Israel for a year between high school and college. So I took a year off, went to Israel, volunteered with Holocaust survivors. And I lived there and just like, I just had the best year of my life. I ran these beach boot camps. I, I would take these like nylon drawstring bags to the beach, fill them up with sand and have like these sandbag workouts on the beach with a bunch of locals. Um, I fell in love with it and I, I wanted to join the Israeli defense force, but my mom said she would fucking kill me. So I, 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 after that year in Israel, I came back to the United States. I went to school and I would go back as often as I could. But once I, I was fully online, I was like, screw it. I'm going back. And I just, I was there. And the only reason I left is because Gary Vaynerchuk offered me a job. Otherwise I would still be there right now. Um, I would not have, and I also would not have the business that I have now at all. I would have a very different business. Um, but the only reason I left Israel was because of that opportunity. Otherwise, I don't think I ever would have left. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I've actually heard you share that before that potentially down the line, you would love to end up back in Israel and live there, you know, yeah. again, which would be absolutely incredible. Hopefully, if that's works out for you guys, that would be great. So you mentioned if you hadn't had got that position with Gary, then you would have stayed. Now, for those that don't know you and aren't aware of that background, you were Gary Vaynerchuk's personal trainer for, was it three years? Three years, yeah. Three years. And I know you've shared this story in a video, and it was a pretty elaborate video and a lengthy story. Could you give like the Spark Notes version of how that opportunity arose? Yeah, basically. So, as you know, I've been writing articles since July of 2011. um, And an article I wrote in 2012 was an article just about how to improve your posture, like three ways to improve your posture. And um, it was one of my least popular, least viewed articles ever. Like, no, barely anyone saw it. But there was one guy, an accountant in Chicago who saw it and he left a comment on the article. Um, And I didn't know who he was. I had no idea, just a random person. And at that point, it was like 2012. So anytime someone commented, I would reply, always, always reply, always reply, especially because I was barely getting anyone commenting. And I don't remember what the question or comment was, but I replied to it. I helped him and that was it. He was an accountant in Chicago. I didn't know his name, didn't know who he was, just a random person who found my website. Long story short, it turns out that guy, his name is Mike Vacanti, who's now one of my best friends, business partners. Um, And he 
after uh, several years after that article, he decided he, he wanted to stop being an accountant and started being a personal trainer. He moved from Chicago, went to New York City. He met Gary Vaynerchuk in New York City, and he became Gary's coach, had a two-year deal with Gary. And after Gary, after his two years was up, Gary was like, who's going to train me next? And Mike was like, I think I know a guy. And I was living in Israel at the time. So Mike reached out and asked if I wanted to coach Gary, which like it, at this time, I had no idea Mike was that guy from the comment. I had no idea. I only found that out years later when Mike and I were talking. I was like, how did you find me? Like, why did you want me to be his coach anyway? And he told me Gary had a lot of back issues, knee issues, neck issues. He had a lot of pain. And so Mike learned a lot of that stuff from me and my website. And so he was like, I think I know a good guy who can help you with this stuff. And, and that's how I ended up coaching Gary. Nice. That's crazy. Like that, yeah. especially in the video, you elaborate a little bit more and folks can go check that out if they want to get all the details, but it's just insane how connections that you had never seen coming end up leading to opportunities that you could have never imagined. Yep. Now at the time, did you know who Gary was? Like when Mike called you, did you yeah. have an idea? Cause I know he's obviously a huge figure now and he was then, but not to the level that no, he, he has was, now. He was big, but nowhere near as big as he is now. I, I remember when I started with Gary, he had fewer than 500,000 Instagram followers and now he's at like 10 million. Mm -hmm. um, so he's exploded. I knew who he was. I liked his work. I didn't understand what I don't think a lot of people know what he actually does. Like I knew he was really big and famous and like, and, and doing great things, but I didn't know what he actually did. I just liked following him and, and hearing what he had to say about business. So yeah, I, I didn't actually think it was real when I got to offer the job and I, Mike and I laughed about this. I thought it was all a joke. Like I thought, like, I thought I was on a reality TV show that they were pranking this kid, that me, that they were pranking me about it and that it wasn't real. Like I legit, I had convinced I convinced myself that it was, I didn't actually have this job, that it was just a joke. And uh, it took a while before I actually started to believe like, oh, wow. Like, I think it was a month into actually coaching Gary every day. I was like, wow, I actually think that I've got the job. Like, <laughs> I thought it was just all a joke. That's hilarious. You were just waiting for Ashton Kutcher to like fucking run around the corner. Yeah. And it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was expecting it to be like, you know, one of Gary's like videos or something like not, I didn't think that it was real. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like anyone in that position would feel the same way because it's such a unique and incredible opportunity. Now you're with him for three years and I'm sure across that time, you know, just with Gary's personality, the way he is, the amount of content and knowledge that he puts out there, I'm sure you had a ton of takeaways from working with him, both from a business standpoint, because you obviously were able to learn there as well as a training standpoint and, and a lot of other factors. What were like the two or three biggest takeaways, whether it's fitness or not, that you took from those three years? Yeah, so the, there are two huge things I learned from Gary. Uh, the most important from a business perspective was that if you really want to achieve something, you just got to work really fucking hard, like unbelievably hard. I mean, I didn't understand how hard Gary worked. And I think a lot of people think it's a, a charade or just like a facade that he, it's not, he's not actually working that hard. When I finally got into his Google calendar, cause like I was in there every single day for seven days a week for three years straight. Like we were coaching every single day, no weekends, no vacations, no nothing, wherever he was, I was. Um, when I saw how busy he is, I was like, holy shit. Like every minute from five in the morning until midnight, every single day, seven days a week, this guy goes nonstop. He's booked out minute by minute from his workout to his shower, to his car ride into the office. Every minute is booked. When he's in the car, he's not doing random shit. He's on telephone calls. He's in meetings. He's in conferences every minute. Like he would, when he flew private, like he would bring his whole staff with him on the private jet, even though they didn't have to go where he was going just so he could have meetings with them on the jet. And then they would fly back once he landed, like, and he'd be in the car having more meetings. He goes nonstop. And I think a lot of people, they want to know these special tricks or tactics or whatever to blow up and grow your social media. And it's not, it's not about special tricks or tactics. It's just about working unbelievably hard every single day. And by the time I started coaching him, it was two, June 1, 2016 is when I started. I already had a pretty successful online coaching business. Like it was doing really well. Um, and I was working hard, but when I saw how hard Gary worked, I was like, whoa, it's sort of like when if you're strength training at a gym where you're the strongest person versus if you're strength training at a gym where you're the weakest person, right? Like when you see how strong other people can get, it's very motivating for you to work harder and to really push yourself. Versus if you're the strongest person in the gym, you're like, ah, I'm good. Like, I don't need to go that hard anymore. So to be in that ecosystem and see how hard Gary worked, I was like, fuck, I can work so much harder. And that was a huge learning lesson for me. And also it's one of those things that 
it's it almost is stress relieving just because I know if I ever need to do anything, I could just work harder. Like that's the answer. Um, the other thing I learned, and I think it's equally as important is I don't want to work as hard as Gary works. <laughs> like I don't want that life. Um, I think a lot of people see the private jets and they see like the, the money and they see all like the followers and like, I want that. And maybe you do, but probably not in terms of if you, is the juice worth the squeeze? And I don't think for most people, it's actually worth the squeeze. Gary works that hard, not because he feels like he has to, but because he loves it. For him, the juice is worth the squeeze. Like he loves working that hard. I would rather wake up a little bit later. I don't know, 9 a.m., like sleep in and chill and like go to jujitsu, do a couple hours of work. And that's my day. And like, if that means I don't fly private, cool. Like, I don't need a private jet. Like, I, if I'm not traveling as much, I'm more with my family, like, cool. I don't need to be doing business meetings and doing speaking events, all that stuff. Like, it's not that it's bad. It's just not what I want. And I think that was a really fortunate thing for me to see was see his lifestyle up close. Because a lot of people, when they see it from afar, they think that they want it and they get really jealous of it. And then that jealous, they get, they get FOMO and then they get all these like negative emotions that come with that. And I'm like, for me, I got to see it close up. I was like, that's not my life. I don't want that life. I don't want to have to do what is net. It's sort of like having a, a shredded six pack year round. It's like, you look at it, oh, that looks cool, but you might feel like shit. And is it really worth it to, you have to say no to the pizza and no to this, and you can't go out and you bring Tupperware to the, to the social events, whatever it is. It's like, it looks cool, but like, do you really want to do that? Probably not. You probably don't want to do what it takes to get there. So it was the same, like, it, it's amazing what he's accomplished and he loves it, but I wouldn't want to do that. Cause I don't want to do, I don't want to work that hard. I just don't want to work as hard as he works and that's it. Yeah. No, I love the analogy you used relating that same concept to obviously the six pack. And you've talked about that ad nauseum on a lot of your content and we, we do as well. And I think the same can be said, you know, we were talking a little bit ago about anybody can hop online and make six figures in six minutes and all this shit. Yeah. Everybody thinks that that's how it happens immediately. The minute you open or you start some kind of online coaching business and you think that's what you want. And then you realize oh shit, I really liked just showing up and coaching those three classes a day and fucking training three or four people and calling it quits. Yeah. Like, I didn't want to do the fucking taxes and the P&L and handle all the logistics and all the marketing. Like All of that just starts hitting you and you do realize, okay, maybe that's not for me. And that happens across all kinds of areas of life. That's exactly right. Yep, 100% agree. So fast forwarding to present day, we've pretty much covered how you got near to the point where you are now. And you've continued across all that time to put out a ton of content and, you know, all dating all the way back. I think 2011 was the first blog that I saw there. So in all of that time, you obviously cultivated your own unique beliefs in fitness, nutrition. Could you kind of summarize those in a sentence or two of, of what your viewpoint is on those areas? On fitness and nutrition? Yeah. yeah I mean, it's really, it's, it's super simple. You know, the, the more I'm in the industry and the more I learn, the more simple it gets. Um, the most important thing above all else is movement. Like just, I don't walking. Like if I had to, if I had to list, like tell you the number one exercise for health and longevity, it's walking. That's it. It's, it's just fucking walking is, and it's becoming overwhelmingly clear to me in the research and in just examining the healthiest populations in the world that it's not who goes to burn boot camp or orange theory, or it's not who like has the best supplements. It's, it's the people who walk the most on a very frequent basis. That's really the healthiest, healthiest populations. Uh, so walking and drinking water, eating fresh fruits and vegetables, uh, a lot of fiber, um, strength training a couple times a week. And then also, you know, relaxing and enjoying life and not being too stressed. Um, I love the United States. It's like, I think it's the greatest country in the world. And I, I'm a big fan of capitalism. Um, but to think that it doesn't come with its own set of issues is, would be naive. And I think a lot of the grind culture, the work until you die culture is just like, it's killing people. Uh, and I think it's making them miss out on life in many, many ways and being okay, you know, just you know, having some days where you just chill and hang out with your family and watch some TV, drink some wine, like whatever, like it's okay. You don't, it doesn't have to be grind till you die. Like it can be relaxed. And 
I think for, for me, my life, my lifestyle is better is do as much work as I need to and no more. That's sort of my, I guess it's a minimalist point of view, but like, that's sort of what I do with everything. It's what I do with fitness and workouts. It's, it's what I do with my business. It's what I do with like, I'll do just as much as I need to. And that's it. And I, I think some people are like, well, that's lazy. It's like, you could look at it as lazy. It's more just like, I'd rather be, have a more all around balanced lifestyle than only do one thing until I grind my teeth into dust and die. Yeah, absolutely. I think that comes with experience as well, right? You yeah. transition through these different seasons of life where you Correct. were fucking grinding hard and hustling yes. and, and you, you put in all of that time. Well, eventually you reach a point where that's not, that doesn't vibe with the season of life that you're in exactly. and you have to be willing to flex and adapt. And it can be really hard because you can tend to, I'm sure you've experienced this, like place your identity in a lot of that work and a lot of that performance, like when you were involved in powerlifting. And then when those things go away, it's difficult to transition into that next chapter and you can kind of feel lost at times. A hundred percent. And I should say, I didn't build my business with this mindset. Um, I built my business grind till you die mentality. Like I abused Adderall severely in order to stay up and, and do a lot of work and I'm not proud of that and I don't recommend it, but it's the truth. And I think it's important for people to be aware. Like when I was posting on Instagram three times a day, every day for several years, and my Instagram went from 5,000 followers to hundreds of thousands of followers. Like I was abusing Adderall to, to fuel that work. I was spending eight hours a day just on Instagram content alone. Never mind all of my clients and inner circle members and coaching Gary and traveling the world. Like you can't do that on a regular sleep wake schedule. You can't. I was like pulling several all nighters every week just to get this shit done. And I don't regret it because it's allowed me to do really amazing things. But that's what I did. Like, so it's important for me to be honest about it. It's yeah. sort of like when people take steroids and look huge and like, oh, I did this naturally. It's like, well, that's not fair. It's like I I did very unhealthy things in order to build my business to where it is. And now I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that immediately made me think of, I don't know if you follow Stu Brower at all, if you've ever heard of any of his content. So he has a brand called What the Fuck Gym Talk. He's okay. very heavily involved in like the studio space, cross like was the CrossFit space, et cetera. But he made a post and it was literally a picture of like edibles, Adderall mm. and a few other things. And he was open about like, hey, these are the things that I have to consume in order to grind the way I'm grinding and build these businesses. Mm -hmm. And of course, there was a ton of controversy over it. But like you said, is he proud of it? Probably not. Who knows? But it's something that he's being open and vulnerable to of like, hey, I'm not a fucking superhuman. I'm using these substances so that I can continue to grind and push further and longer than everybody else. Yeah. Which, you know, one of the reasons that I stopped doing that was so like my blood pressure was super high. And I was like, I'm not sleeping very much. And I spoke to doctors and nurses about it and got some specialists involved. And they were like, well, listen, the easiest way to, for you to improve your blood pressure is going to be sleep more and uh and stop taking these amphetamines and like actually and like have more of a balanced life like relax a little bit i'm so stressed out all the time because i'm working it's like and i was putting my body into that state like willingly like hand to mouth like adderall to mouth and then caffeine and caffeine and caffeine it's like not good like so i gotta fucking stop and it was super difficult but like now i'm think i'm the healthiest i've ever been thank god um i think if i could I could have, I don't know, maybe 5X, 10X my business if I had kept grinding with that mentality to, from where it is today, but maybe I would lose 20 years of my life. So yeah, like that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I think that's so important and not even from a building a business standpoint, but just folks who get so enthralled with fitness and they mm -hmm. want to go to, like you said, Orange Theory or F45, or they want to do this high intensity every single day, every single week, and they want to look leaner, feel better, run faster, jump higher, all the shit. They're not accounting for, like you just mentioned, blood pressure. There's a reason some of these basic health markers are looked at by physicians on a consistent basis. It's because yep. they're going to dictate if you're going to live or die on Correct. some kind of timeline. Yep. And a lot of folks have no fucking clue what their blood pressure is or what their cholesterol looks like because they're not getting a blood panel done or they're not seeing a physician consistently. And I had a very similar experience. I was consuming way too much caffeine. I was mm. super stressed and my gut got completely fucked up. I mean, my blood pressure was not probably at the level that you're describing because that obviously was a huge 
light bulb moment for you, but it was still elevated. And you sit there and take a step back and say, holy fuck, like I am 30 years old. Like I should not have issues with my gut. I should not have like aching knees and shoulders. I shouldn't need caffeine to stay awake throughout the day. And it does really shift your mindset in terms of, okay, what do I need to do to stay healthy and live longer versus what do I need to do to be the fittest dude at the gym? 100%. Well said, man. Clip that. Make <laughs> Clip that. it. <laughs> uh, we'll clip something for that you said for sure, but I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so that simplistic viewpoint on fitness and nutrition, and uh, again, that's been cultivated over time. Now, how does that translate over to what you're currently doing with Site Fitness, the inner circle, uh, and really what is the mission of the inner circle and Site Fitness as it is today? It's just to give people a simple, easy, affordable plan and a, and a community that is going to help them feel encouraged when they're not feeling, when they don't, you know, like, I don't want to work out a lot of times. Like I, I, a lot of times I have zero desire to work out, but it's nice to have a community or someone that you're accountable to, to help push you. And I remember when I first started coaching, I thought I would only want to work with like elite athletes and, you know, just high level, high level individuals. And I quickly realized I don't want to work with them. I would actually much rather work with everyday people, moms and dads, and just everyday people who want to get healthier and more fit. Um, so I, I made it. It's you know very affordable, super low cost membership that gives people a plan and an application. It's just like, listen, here's a strength training, here's a nutrition, here's your exercise videos. We have a, an executive chef make recipes every month. It's just super simple, straightforward plan to get you started and, and moving and healthier. Yeah, I love that. I love that just, again, that simplicity carries over, right? And it's something that we preach all the time, sustainability and consistency and simplicity, because that's really all it takes. It's just no one wants to fucking hear that because it's not easy. It doesn't happen quickly and it takes work. Yep, that's exactly right. I mean, we tell folks all the time, you spent the last 30, because we work with a lot of middle-aged individuals, kind of like folks, you just just normal everyday nine to fivers and- you don't, they're not thinking about the fact that they've spent 30 years cultivating these shitty fucking habits and you want it to be fixed in six weeks. Yep. <laughs> and it's just, unfortunately, just, it's not going to happen unless you do something unsustainable and then you're still broken. Correct. That's exactly right. And <laughs> even if you do something massively unsustainable for six weeks, like you're still not going to like how you look. Like you, you don't get to the end of a six week, like massively restrictive thing and think like, wow, like, I've arrived. That's it's it's not something that it's not that's not how it works. It's if if it took you ten years to walk into the woods, it's going to take probably ten years to walk out of the woods. So, yeah. like, it's going to take time. Absolutely. And now within the inner circle, are you had mentioned at the very beginning of the episode that you had your business par- partner and Mike Vacanti. Do mm-hmm. you have any other partners or co coaches within the inner circle, or are you just running that solo and just continuing yes. with that? So. Uh, with the inner circle, Susan Niebergall is my co-coach. Uh, she's fucking amazing. Um, she's in her sixties. It's so, it's so funny. Like on paper, we don't make sense. I'm like a short, bald, younger guy, 31 years old. She's like this, like in her sixties, she looks so fit. Like she's super fit, but she, we started coaching together one-on-one in like 2015. She was my client. She was my client in 2015. Um, and she's been with me ever since. And then, so when I started the inner circle, she was in the inner circle as well. And she was just answering people's questions so often in, in such a helpful way that I was like, if Susan left the inner circle, I would be in deep trouble because she was so helpful and so nice. So I remember I was like, Hey, do you want to come on as my co-coach in the inner circle? And she did. And we've been doing it ever since. I think that was in 2017. Um, and it's really nice. Cause a lot of people are like, do you have anything for women or for people as they get older? And I'm like, look at Susan, like, it's like the perfect situation because, you know, I can understand when they look at me, I'm a younger fit guy. They're like, well, how does that relate to a 55 year old woman? It's like, just cause I'm not, that doesn't mean I don't know how to coach that. But if you don't believe me, here's Susan. And she's like the poster woman for success as like, as you age. And as a woman, she has her own book about like fitness as you get older and like, it's never too late to start. Uh, so she's my business partner in the inner circle. And Mike is my business partner for something I have for fitness coaches called the fitness business mentorship. Basically him and I work together to help coaches be better coaches and build their business. 
Awesome. That, that, and I was literally going to follow up with the question about Susan, how did you guys link up? But that makes perfect sense that she was a client. And those are typically the best hires if you can get someone within the organization. The, the best hires in the fitness industry, I'm sure it carries over to other industries, but the best hire in the fitness industry is a client, a previous client or a current client who doesn't want to start their own business which in the fitness industry can be tough because a lot of people want to build their own business. And that's where a lot of people end up having huge fallouts with friends and business partners because they hired them initially so they could help their business and they want to go off on their own, which is great. But you just have to be very upfront from the very beginning and like, do you want to build your own business or do you want to be part of my current one? And Susan was like, I don't want to have my own business. Like she's had an entire career as an educator. She like was a, an educator for like 32 years or something. She's like, I don't want my own business. Like I don't want to deal with all that shit. Let's just do this. And it was the perfect scenario. My assistant cat, she was a previous client of mine for a long time. And she just, she doesn't want to have her own business. She just wants to help this. And it's like, it's nice because you get people who really believe in you and, and what you have without, uh, they don't have to have the stress of having their own, their own business. Like they can work nine to five. They can work whatever from wherever they want. It's all online. They're not, they don't have to go to the office, but they don't, we don't have to deal with the stress of, well, do you want to, they want to branch out and, and start their own business. It's all like, it's a team effort, which is really nice. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like you had mentioned there, not only do you trust them, but they're bought into your concepts. Like they yeah. have, they're living proof that it works, that they trust it, that they're willing to have skin in the game and that others should as well. Uh, and as you mentioned, you and Susan don't make sense on paper, but you're a great pair and kind of related that to the fact that some women may have questions about X, Y, and Z, and you definitely have the knowledge and capabilities to coach them. Well, the same thing happens over with us, with my wife and I, Ash, I know we wouldn't have half the clients that we have if Ash wasn't with me, if she wasn't my partner and not because I can't coach them, but because it's just that sense of relatability, it's another yes. woman and it truly does make a great pairing when you can get a female and a male coach who work very cohesively together and create something special like like you guys have done with the inner circle. Exactly right. Now, shifting gears a little bit here, over the years we've talked already how much content you've put out. And I mentioned at the beginning in preparation for this conversation, seeing how it's evolved over the years, you know, from the traveling abroad series way back all the oh, way man. to current stuff. And you obviously have gained confidence over that time. You gain knowledge. So the way you speak, the way you present yourself improves and not nothing to do with the technology because obviously that's gotten a hell of a lot better. But where did you really start to find your voice and that kind of in your face, sarcastic you know, presentation that you have and realize, okay, this is my fucking jam. This is how I'm going to, to run this. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't, I mean, so I've been doing this since July of 2011. So it's over 10 years now. Um, and I, I, it's honestly more in the recent, probably like in the last three to four years that it really started to change. Um, I think honestly, so it started to change probably three or four years ago, but not really until I think COVID did I really lean into it in which the world just seemed to divide right around COVID for many reasons in that time period. There was just so much division, um, a lot of it politically, but it just seemed like we're split right down the middle. And that's not actually how it was, but that's how the media portrayed it. And it's what we were sort of led to believe. And in reality, we're all much more close and like thinking than, than uh, I think a lot of people expect, but the, the vocal minorities really made it seem as though we were much more split apart than we actually are. And when that happened, something happened with me where I was like, I was tired of playing the middle and I was tired of trying to appease everybody. And I was getting a lot of anxiety around posting and anxiety around social media. And it was just taking up too much of my thought and my emotions every day. So it was more just like, there would be times, you know, like the whole thing, if you have something, if you want to write an email to somebody, just like write it out and then don't send it. And just maybe a day later, you'll end up deleting it. I got to the point where if I wrote something out, post it immediately. I was like, fuck it. I'm saying it. I don't care. Uh, it was the exact opposite of that advice. Because if I waited, I might've just been like, oh, you know what? I don't need to say this anymore. But the, I, if I felt like I should say something, I want to say it. Like there's a reason I want to say it and it's important for me to say it. And so I started just being like, you know what? Fuck it. I'll say it and see what happens. And 
some people got really mad and some people fucking loved it. And it was, it was really cool for me to see that my business didn't go down the drain once I started saying what some people might consider a controversial thing to say. Uh, it actually improved. There were some people who didn't like it and unfollowed and left the inner circle and other people who loved it and followed and became super fans and joined the inner circle. Um, and the business has grown, I think, as a result of it. And, I, and I've actually started to enjoy it more because I can be myself without worrying about it. So um, within the last two years is when I really think I started just being more of who I am just because of the state of the world. Yeah, I love that explanation. I think it makes perfect sense. And like you had mentioned, it's if you can be yourself and enjoy making the content, regardless of whether people like it or hate it, because like you said, there's going to always be people on both sides, you're going to be more passionate about it and enjoy it and produce better content that mm -hmm. is going to draw in more of the people that you actually want to have in the inner circle or just have in your audience to begin with. And anyone who doesn't want to conform to like the new content it's like all right you don't have to you can leave and that's exactly right it's better for all sides everybody enjoys it and it's just a better place to consume information so i love that explanation now i gotta ask when did you get the concept or the idea of okay i'm gonna start to wear these fucking wigs and buy these costumes and create these characters like kenzie and when did that start coming about was it just something to like stop the scroll and get people's attention or just pure comedic like relief for you of this is who i am yeah so it's funny when I was young. So I've been an actor my whole life. Like I was in plays and musicals always as a kid. And I've always done accents. Like for example, sometimes my wife hates it when I do this, but we'll go to a restaurant sometimes. And when the waiter comes over, I'll use a completely different accent and pretend I'm someone completely different. And, and for the entire dinner, I'll, I don't know, I'll pretend I'm from Ireland or I'll pretend I'm from wherever. And I'll use I'll, a Russian accent, whatever. I'll use all these different accents. And I've loved doing that my whole life. And like, that's sort of like what I did growing up. My parents would be like, oh, do this accent, do that accent. And they couldn't believe that I was like, could do that stuff. Um, and so that's just part of who I've always been. And I think it was in 2017 that, I, I was living in the West Village of New York and there was like, you know, there's sex shops all over New York City and there was a wig, there were wigs on display. And I was like, that would be funny. And so I went into the sex shop and I got the wig and they're like, what are you buying this for? And I was like, I'm doing fitness shit. And like, I don't know how to explain it. But like, I think the first video I did was with a, a, a celery juice cleanse video with the wig. And that's when Kenzie was born. And um, so I didn't do it because like I wanted to try to be somebody else. I just did it because I was being more of myself and showing people that anyway. Like when I was at a party with friends, I would like do the Kenzie voice and like, and people thought it was funny. Like I would always do that stuff. And now I just, all right, I'm going to put a, a, a wig on and, and make it more public and can still teach people with a little bit of entertaining aspect as well. Yeah. I love that. And I think Again, but goes into the whole framework of if you're enjoying it, if you're having fun, you're going to make better content. People are going to engage with it more. How does your wife feel about the wigs? Love them? Hate them? What's her, she, what's her opinion? She thinks they're hilarious. Like she, she loves the accents. Like she, she loves the accents. She loves when I do it. She just hates because anytime I do them, I leave the wigs out everywhere. Um, so like, I'm the kind of person where like, whatever I'm doing, I just leave my shit out. Like I don't put it back and I'm just, I'm not good with that. I've never, I just, whatever, I just leave it out. Um, and she's the kind of person that you use it and then you put it back. And so she has all these boxes. Like you should see, like she set up my office, like these are where your wigs go. This is where this goes. <laughs> and I just leave it all out. So she gets mad that I leave it out, but she thinks it's funny when I do it. Well, that's good. I mean, at least she likes it. Could, <laughs> could be worse. Uh, well, that's, that's number one. It's really funny. And then Two, just to get back into fitness to sort of and nutrition to sort of wrap this up, you know, we talked a lot about your content, a lot about your beliefs, but just diving a little more into like some practical applications, some take home points here. Like in your experience working with what I would assume is thousands of individuals at this point, what are some of like the three, two or three biggest misconceptions that you have found people have about health, fitness, nutrition, et cetera? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest one is that people, this illusion of complexity, that it's like, it's got, you got to have this super complex program or super complex meal plan or super complex workout or super complex exercise. The more complex it is, the better. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is complexity is what sells. Like when, when you want to sell someone something, 
you have to create a problem and then a unique solution to it. And ironically, it's the exact opposite of what I've done is like, there's a clear problem, but it's just a very simple solution. And I think like, I'm sort of the, I think now that information is more readily available, that type of content and type of business does well. But before this type, before science-based information was so readily available on the internet, Instagram, all this stuff, you had to have like a unique solution. That's what they would always say in these marketing seminars. You have to have like a unique hook. And that's where these, I don't know whether it's like um, a keto type of program or a fasting type of program. Like people are, are really enthralled by this uniqueness and people assume that the more unique or complex it is, the better it must be. And people, you know, they post about it all the time. Oh, my trainer has me doing this crazy move, or they like destroyed me. The people who brag about like throwing up after their workouts and it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, I, I don't think it should be that way. I think the best programs are super simple. They leave, they have you leaving the gym feeling better than when you went in. There are things you can do every single day, whether it's just walking, drinking more water, eating more fruits and vegetables. Like you don't need to buy supplements. You don't need to like do any crazy hit workouts. Like just super simple, basic lifestyle things, the, the not sexy things, just walking more, sleeping better, relaxing, have a more better balanced relationship with work. Uh, all these things are what's going to help you live longer and healthier more than simply like, I don't know, the newest fad diet or crazy high intensity program. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, I mean, that right there is enough to, you know, sum up everything that you see within the industry. And I would assume everything that you've experienced with your clients. And I think that's probably the most powerful point like we wouldn't even need a number two or three because it is truly just the simplicity and the things that work and knowing that doesn't need to be complex in order to be effective you know we yeah. always say the least or we always say the most effective things are the least sexy yeah and that's exactly right yeah so i couldn't agree with you more there now in terms of specifically with nutrition because people love to throw out unique right and and special ways of eating and diets and fad diets what if you had to sum it up what would be the most sustainable way for someone to eat and it could be as simple as like what we mentioned at the top of the episode eat lean meats and veggies and fruit and but would that be your recommendation for anyone who's like i can't do this complexity shit anymore i just need something that's going to work yeah i mean i would say honestly i think i think one of the best general frameworks for people is the mediterranean diet um there's really no arguing that that's probably one of the healthiest diets to follow. The thing that I would say is in terms of the Mediterranean diet, it doesn't have to be exact. It's more just about including the foods in that diet on a regular basis. So um, fatty fish, salmon is a really good option, whole grains, uh, a lot of fiber, um, fruits and vegetables. <laughs> on a regular, just That's it. Include those as often as you can and you're on a really good start. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we, you know, we obviously preach a very similar message and I'm sure you've gotten this plenty of times where you tell someone that and they think, well, they ask you again, like, well, what, what's something else? Cause they don't yeah. think that's enough or that that's going to work or be effective. Correct. But I mean, no matter how often we preach it, it's, it doesn't change. It hasn't changed for hundreds of years. Those are the things that work. Yep. That's why sometimes I'll put a wig on to say it. Cause saying the same exact fucking thing over and over again doesn't really hit as well unless like you put a wig on and use a different voice. Yeah, exactly, right? You, it's Everybody consumes it differently. It needs that that one, like a, like a coach. A coach might give you a cue a exactly. thousand times and then some fucking idiot walks in off the street, says something different and boom, they've got it. Exactly. They figured it out. Exactly. Uh, well, to close things out here, the last question I have for you, Jordan, is just what are, if you could sum up the five things that someone could do, or, and maybe it's more than five, but, what are the top things someone can do for their health without like excessive rules, restrictions, expe expectations, obviously walking, I'm assuming is going to be in there because we've talked about it a lot, but what are some others? Walking is number one. Sleep is number two. Get your fucking phone out of your face at night and go to bed. Uh, drinking more water. Um, that's, I mean, listen, if you drink tea, great. If you want to have some diet soda now and again, fine. But like water is really good for you. Drink it. Um, Fiber, including more foods with fiber. I don't know whether it's oatmeal, raspberries, avocado, just like increase, make sure you're getting enough fiber every day. Uh, generally speaking, men should get about like 35 to 40 grams a day. Women about like 20 to 25 grams a day. Um, that would be my top recommendations right there. Like <laughs> it's so simple. It's like walk more, drink more water, sleep really well, eat a lot of fiber. You're good. Yeah, I love that because it didn't have anything to do with 
intensity of exercise with loading frequency, nothing to do yeah. with macronutrients or micronutrients, just eat quality foods, sleep, get your fiber and walk. That's it, man. Can't be simpler <laughs> than that. Uh, well, Jordan, I really appreciate your time. And I think it was a fantastic conversation. If folks want to learn more about you, follow along with your content, or even think about joining the inner circle, because I know you're running a promotion for that now, right? 30% off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If Thank they want to hop on the inner circle as well, where's the best place to find you? Uh, if you just Google my name, Jordan Syatt, Jordan S-Y-A-T-T, you'll find me on Instagram, my website, podcast, all of it. Love it. Easy enough. Well, Jordan, again, I appreciate it so much. And thank you for hopping on the podcast today. Thank you, brother. This was great. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Whether this is your first time tuning in or if you're here with us each and every week, Ash and I just want to take a moment to express our thanks and gratitude. We are so incredibly blessed to have your support and we could not continue to show up week in and week out if it were not for you. If you enjoy what you hear on this channel, please head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating, leave a review in there as well. That is how we reach more people and change more lives through the platform. Lastly, if you don't follow us across all of our other social media accounts, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. Our handles are either Ballistic.Performance or Ballistic Performance across all of those platforms. Or you can check us out online at TrainBallistic.com. Again, we appreciate and love you so much, and we hope you have a fantastic week.